We are called to listen to him because he is the word of God. So Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, is not merely a prophet, not merely a teacher or a man who walked the earth, but he is God. That's just ahead on this episode of Guerrilla Christianity. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. My name is Pastor Brett Walker and this is Guerrilla Christianity. Well, we are drawing to a close with our Great Invitation series, which has been going on now for eight weeks, and we are looking at Transfiguration Sunday, which is the Sunday before the season of Lent begins. Transfiguration Sunday is a day that we celebrate every year on a church calendar. We look at the Transfiguration event that's recorded in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And what we're going to do is we're tying all of our uh, lessons on evangelism together today to sort of look at why is it that we feel compelled to obey God's call to go forth and proclaim the good news. Uh, Jesus's great commission, as it were, to go and make disciples of all nations, uh, to baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teach them to obey all that he commanded us. Why are we compelled to do that? Well, when we look at the Transfiguration, we actually see a glimpse of the divinity of Christ. We know that Christ is fully man and fully God, but in this moment, we see the full power and majesty and glory of his uh, divinity, of his personhood in the Godhead. And so we wrap up our great invitation with a look at the Transfiguration. This sermon is titled, Shine. Matthew chapter 17. Slight departure from where we've been. We've been going systematically through uh, the first part of the book of Matthew. And now we jump ahead to the 17th chapter because today is Transfiguration Sunday on the church calendar. It is the Sunday before the Lenten season begins. The Lenten season begins this Wednesday with Ash Wednesday. And we are drawing to a close our series called The Great Invitation. A short recap, we began with the baptism of Christ on the first Sunday in the season after Epiphany. We observed the baptism of Christ where God said, You are my Son, the Beloved, in whom I am well pleased. And we were asked also to reaffirm our baptismal covenant and to remember that we are baptized and to rejoice. We moved on to the proclamation of Jesus as the Lamb of God. John the Baptist pointed to Jesus and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Two of his disciples who were walking with him were Andrew and Philip, and they, were, and they went and they followed Jesus from that day forward. Jesus said to them, What are you searching for? And they said, We would like to see where you are dwelling. And he said, Come and see. And we learned that that was an invitation that when we bring people to Christ, it is not us 
who do the work of transformation in their lives, but that Christ gives them a new identity, as we saw with Andrew when he brought his brother Simon to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, you are no longer Simon, but you are Peter. You are rock. And so he gave Peter a new identity. In the third week, we observed the invitation of Jesus to the fishermen into discipleship. They had already been invited to follow him, and now they were being invited to go and do something. Remember, he meets us right where we are. He met the, the fishermen there on the Sea of Galilee, and he said to them, follow me and I will make you fish for people. He spoke in ways that they could understand, and he invited them into action. After that, we started to look at the Sermon on the Mount, and in the first week we learned what it meant to be blessed. And that blessing in the Lord is not necessarily what the world would call blessing. We learned that um, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who are persecuted for Jesus' sake. All things that we wouldn't normally think of as being blessed. But those are the blessings of God. And then the next week we learned what it meant to be salt and light and we also learned that Jesus came to fulfill the law, not to, uh, not to undermine it. And in the very next week, we began to see how he was fulfilling the law and what the law meant. He said that we are to observe all of these commandments. Whoever does not observe the least of those commandments, he said, and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. And we said, well, what commandments are he ta- is he talking about? Then he started talking about, you have heard that it was said, but I say to you. He turned things around. He gave us a deeper understanding of the law of God. And then we learned that we are not to resist evil, but that we are to change the world by our actions, by not resisting evil, by turning the other cheek, by giving to those who ask of us by going the extra mile, by loving our enemies. It's a transforming love that Jesus calls us to. All of this leads to today. Why do we do what we do as Christians? Why do we come week after week? Why do we sit here at the feet of the Master to learn about what God wants for us? And what we are called to do. It's not a small thing that God did for us. It's not a very small thing. And it was not for a very small reason. God loves the world. And God so loved the world. He loved the world so much that He gave His only Son. It wasn't a small thing that God did for us. And it isn't a small thing that God asks of us to go and proclaim the good news, to invite others to come and meet Jesus, to say to them, come and see. And yet that is exactly what we are being called to. And why? Because Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Because Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world. 
And he's displayed in all of his glory. In this passage we will read now. Matthew chapter 17, beginning at verse 1. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and his brother John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them and his face shone like the sun and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. And then Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will make three dwellings here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, suddenly a bright cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud a voice said, This is my Son, the Beloved. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell to the ground and were overcome by fear. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Get up and do not be afraid. And when they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus and by himself alone. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus ordered them, Tell no one about the vision until after the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. This is the word of the Lord for the people of God. Thanks be to God. O great God, our Heavenly Father, again we draw near to you to be instructed in your holy word. Pour out your Holy Spirit upon us that your word may grow in us as a seed in good soil, so that it may yield an increase a hundred times over. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So what the the series has been about for the past eight weeks is about evangelism and about inviting people. And why do we invite people? And do we invite people? Do we see any new faces sitting here today? Have we been inviting people? Have we been obeying the call of God upon our hearts? Are we an evangelistic church? That's the question we have to face. Are we an evangelistic church Or are we just a social club that meets on Sunday mornings? What God has done for each of us is nothing short of amazing, is nothing short of incredible. Would you agree? Why would we not want to share this, what we have been given, with our loved ones, with our friends, with our family, with our neighbors, with our co-workers? Do we want them to have an encounter with Christ like we have? Or do we just want to keep it to ourselves? That's the question that we have to answer for ourselves today. Peter, James, and John were disciples of Christ. They were his closest followers, his inner circle, as it were. And Jesus took them up a high mountain. You know, both Peter and John wrote about their experience personally. John, in his gospel, wrote that we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. This is the word of a man who stood there and saw Jesus transfigured before him on the mountain saw him shining with the light of God. 
witnessed him speaking with Moses and Elijah. We have seen his glory. Not that we heard about his glory, not that we read about his glory, but we have seen it with our own eyes. Peter, in the reading that we read today, said, We were eyewitnesses of his majesty. He said, We didn't just hear about it. We didn't just tell you fables that people told us. We were eyewitnesses. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was born to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this very voice from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain. Three of the four Gospels record this event. Peter's letter talks about it. John, in his gospel, alludes to it. It was a pretty important event for all of the disciples, and not just the three who went up on the mountain. But it also parallels something that we read about in Exodus today. When God said to Moses, Come up to the Lord, you and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu. Moses was to go up on the mountain, on Mount Sinai, with three of his closest friends. His brother was one of them. And the glory of the Lord settled on a mountain in a bright cloud. We see that same bright light and the cloud and the word of the Lord speaking from it. This is my son, my beloved with whom I am well pleased. And then God adds this. Listen to him. We are called to listen to Jesus. We are called to listen to him because he is the word of God. John's gospel tells us that the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. He begins his gospel by saying, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. And all things were made through Him. So Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, is not merely a prophet, not merely a teacher, or a man who walked the earth. But He is God. And he dwelt among us. He took the form of a man. He humbled himself to become a man and died a death that we deserve. So, the high mountain. Jesus came to the district of Caesarea Philippi, we read in Matthew chapter 16, and asked his disciples, Who do the people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist. Others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But he said to them, what do you, Who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now this event happened just before the event that we read today. They're in the area of Caesarea Philippi. The mountain that they went up was probably Mount Hermon. It's about a 9,000-foot elevation mountain. Very high up in that area. But 
the question that Jesus gives to Peter is a question that we have to answer as well. Who do you say that Jesus is? Like I said, he wasn't just a prophet. He wasn't just a teacher. Although in this secular day and age, we want so much for Jesus to be less than God. We want to listen to his words, but we don't want to have to obey the fact that he is a holy God. And that he and his holiness came down to live among us, to teach us, and to die the death that we deserve for our sins, to reconcile us to himself. What he did for us was nothing short of spectacular. We're told that he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun and his clothes became dazzling white. And the word there, transfigured, was a Greek word, metamorpho. We get that word metamorphosis. It means a transformation of essence from within. See, Christ's light comes from within, not from without. In Exodus chapter 34, we read that when Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the testimony in his hand, as he came down from the mountain, Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone because he had been talking with God. The light of God was shining on the face of Moses. But that light came from God. This light with Christ came from within him. He was transformed, transfigured. His face shone like the sun. The light came from within him. He wasn't merely reflecting the light of God. He was the light of God. And then we read that Moses and Elijah appeared talking with him. Why Moses and Elijah? Moses represents the law and Elijah, the prophets, and together they represent the whole of Scripture. We are told in this story, in this telling, in this witness, that Scripture testifies to the glory of Christ and what He came to accomplish. We read about in in Genesis 3, long before anybody was even thinking about the coming of Christ. God said to the serpent, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will strike your head and you will strike his heel. Maybe we don't think a whole lot about that, but that verse is pointing to the coming of Christ. The very first sin that man committed, God already had a plan of redemption and his plan came to fruition in Christ. In Psalm 2, which is also an alternate responsive reading for today, for Transfiguration Sunday. But in Psalm 2, we read, I will tell of the decree of the Lord. He said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will make the nations your heritage, and your ends and the ends of the earth your possession. 
You shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Again, speaking of the coming of Christ. Speaking through the words of David, his ancestor. And then, of course, we read about the suffering servant in Isaiah chapter 53. God says through Isaiah, He was wounded for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. Upon Him was the punishment that made us whole, and by His bruises we are healed. He was oppressed and He was afflicted, yet He did not open His mouth. Like the lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that before its shearers is silent, so He did not open up His mouth. Moses and Elijah attest to who Jesus is. And then in Luke chapter 24, after the resurrection, we read that he spoke to his disciples as they walked on the road to Emmaus. And he said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Scripture declares the glory of Christ. All of Scripture, not just the New Testament, but the Old Testament as well, particularly the Old Testament. Because all throughout the New Testament, the New Testament writers pointed back to the Old Testament to say, here is where Christ was. And He was revealed to us in this time. Peter says to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will make three dwellings here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. The dwellings he spoke of were tabernacles or tents, a, a temporary dwelling for them that the three may use as they converse on the mountain. Peter did not know how long they would be there, but his only thought is to provide shelter for their stay. Of course, then he's interrupted while he was still speaking. Suddenly a bright cloud overshadowed them And from the cloud, a voice said, This is my son, the beloved. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. It's unmistakably the voice of God, yet again testifying to Jesus' glory and purpose. And it echoes the strain from the first week in this series. At the baptism of Christ, when a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved son, with whom I am well pleased. This time he adds these words. Listen to him. We are to listen to the words of Christ all the time. And as Jesus is the word of God, he speaks to us in all of scripture. All of scripture testifies to Christ. Moses and the prophets testify to Christ. Christ testifies to them and God testifies to all. So we can have assurance that God's written word is true. Well, when they hear the word of the Lord coming from the cloud, they fell to the ground and were overcome by fear. I really like the way that the King James puts it. I just love the phrase, they were sore afraid. 
they were, they were scared to death. Of course. Because they suddenly realized that this person that they've been walking with, this person that they've been following, this person that they have been listening to, who's been teaching them, who's been performing all these miracles, is no mere person. But he is God incarnate. And so they fell on their faces out of fear. But Jesus came and touched them. You can almost see the tenderness and the love with which he touches them. And he says to them, rise and have no fear. Jesus is now alone, but the scene is burned indelibly upon their minds. And they would never forget it. But as they were coming down the mountain, Jesus ordered them, tell no one about the vision until after the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. Because this is something that even the disciples would not understand until after the resurrection. Because after the resurrection, everything became clear. And so we still proclaim that holy mystery. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. And we could say this with assurance and confidence because we have encountered the risen Christ. And you might say to yourself, well, I've never actually met Jesus. Or I've never actually seen him. He's never actually spoken to me. We are the body of Christ. And anytime any of us speaks a word of kindness, speaks a word of hope, anytime any of us says a prayer for somebody else, anytime any of us goes and visits someone who is sick, anytime any of us feeds someone who is hungry, we do it in the name of Christ, and we do it to Christ. That's what we are told in Matthew chapter 25. Jesus said, Whatever you did for the least of one of these, my brothers, you also did it to me. But we too are given a vision of Christ. We may not have been on the mountain with Peter, James, and John. We may not have beheld the glory of God in Jesus shining like a bright light. But each of us has had an encounter with Christ at some time in our lives. That is evident in your presence here today. There's something that draws you here time and again, week after week. And with all humility, I, I hope you're not coming just to see me. Because our hope is in Christ, the second person of the Trinity. It is he who has the words of life. It is he who has laid his life down for his friends. It is he who calls us friends and not servants. For he has revealed his purpose to each and every one of us. His purpose is to save that which is lost. And he has given us a great invitation to join him in that effort. Our part is to invite others to come and see. So I urge you, if you haven't already done so, share with your friends, share with your family, share with your neighbors and your co-workers 
anyone you come into contact with. People come to Christ because someone invited them. It's not the job of the pastor to bring people to Christ. It's the job of every Christian. We are the body of Christ. We are salt giving flavor to the world. We are light driving away darkness. Let God's light transform you and shine through you. Let us go forth into the world proclaiming the good news. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Father God, we adore you. Your love for us knows no bounds. You who did not spare your own son, but gave him up for us all. Is there anything else that you would not graciously give to us? We are your people, and you are our God. Drive us from this place now to declare your good news, that Christ died so that we may live, and rose that we may have eternal life in him. This good news we have been given, we have selfishly hidden in our hearts for our own purpose. But for this purpose, we have been called disciples of Christ, baptized into faith. We give great thanks, Lord, that you have called us, and we give our lives to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, when we think about all that God has done for us, it's hard to believe that we would ever hesitate to obey the things that He commands us. God didn't just uh, give us a set of commandments for His own benefit. He gave them to us for our benefit because He loves us. He loves us so much. And He demonstrated that love to us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. If you are separated from God today, you can be reconciled to Him right now. You can be reconciled to God. You may think, no, my, I've done so many bad things. I've, I've strayed so far from God, there's no way I could ever get back. But as long as you are drawing breath, you can be reconciled to God. God loves you. God loves you so much that He gave His Son for your sake. Well, I hope you have enjoyed our sermon today, and I hope that you have uh, established a relationship with Christ. And if you are in a relationship with Christ, but you're not in a relationship with a faith community, I, I would like to invite you to come and enjoy our services on Sunday mornings. We meet uh, at Ebenezer United Methodist Church in Auburn at 9 a.m. on Sunday, and at Hudson United Methodist Church in Pettertown. 30 we also have Bible study during the week, Monday nights and Thursday nights, and we also have many other missional opportunities to get involved with the church, to get involved with the body of Christ, to be the hands and feet of Christ. And maybe you're listening to this message and you don't live anywhere near Salem County. Well, I just pray that you will be involved in a faith community right where you are. We're not called to be Christians in isolation. We are called to be in community with one another. Now, if this teaching today has touched you in some way, we would love to hear from you, either by email at pastorbrettumc at gmail.com, or you can leave a comment on the podcast page. And if this podcast makes a difference in your life, won't you 
share it on the social media platform of your choice. You can access this podcast through the Podbean app on Android or on iTunes. Just search for Guerrilla Christianity. My prayer for you today is that God will continue to touch your heart and bring you to a place where you can experience His love and His grace through Jesus Christ. Amen.